Good morning, everyone. The sermon stories that I tell you usually are pretty much happen just as, uh, as I tell them, uh, with the names changed to protect the guilty. But uh, this morning, I have taken the lives of several people and combined them. So the people, as I describe them, um, they don't have these names and so forth. But uh, in each person I describe is really a combination of, of two or three people kind of much together. But the things that happened to them did happen to people that I know or that I read about. So that said, I'd like to tell you about Rick. Rick was always chasing the next big thing. There's a lot of things about life Rick had not decided yet, uh, but this is one thing he had decided. His kids were not going to live poor the way he had lived growing up. Rick's parents had said no to a lot of things, and Rick was going to say yes. He wasn't going to have his kids running off to the neighbor's house in order to play an Xbox. He wasn't going to skimp on anything for those kids. Not toys, not school clothes, not snacks at the movie theater. There was a fire burning inside Rick, and it caused a light to shine out from him. Now, we all know from seventh grade science that light normally goes into your eyes, and that's how you see. But for Rick, this fire burning inside caused a light to burn out of his eyes, and it was an intense light that caused him to see the whole world in one vibrant color, green. Money green? No. Envy green. The envy green light coming out of Rick's eyes had shined on everything as a child. Other kids got computers for the house, not Rick. Other kids got four-wheelers to ride, not Rick. Other kids got transformer action figures, not GoBot knockoffs. Other kids got He-Man. Other kids got crazy straws, for goodness sake. But at Rick's house, crazy straws were too expensive a luxury. Well, Rick decided it was going to be different for his kids. Rick was going to say yes. So Rick has started three different family businesses now. He's managed two different restaurants. He once tried to start a, a screen printing shop, but it could not outlast the recession. Nothing ever quite took off. Something always got in the way. Now Rick's been going to church lately. And his kids love Sunday school, which is great, because that's something else Rick didn't get to do. But how does Rick reconcile the green light coming out of his eyes with the teachings that he hears every Sunday? He doesn't reconcile them. As far as Rick can tell, God hasn't helped him up to this point. He didn't make any of the businesses go. He didn't make the restaurant successful. He couldn't make the screen printing shop last so as far as Rick can tell, it's up to him. Maybe God helps those who help themselves. Maybe he doesn't. One thing's for sure, God's going to be more than a little shown up when Rick's next big idea comes through and he makes a huge cash donation to the church. Then we'll show it. So in the meantime, Rick's kids have all the best clothes. They have all the best computer games. And they're going to have cars when they turn 16. And they're going to have a college education paid for as well. And Rick so far has a $22,000 in credit card debt to back all this up. This is how the green light shining out of Rick falls on the world. It tells him if he has to ruin himself to give his kids everything he didn't have, that's fine. It's worth it. What else can he do? Say no? Then the word of God comes to Rick. Where Jesus says your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body's filled with light. 
When your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. And in a moment of clarity, Rick sees it all. He sees how in his quest not to be a failure, he's becoming the worst sort of failure there is. A father who tries to give his children things and doesn't give them himself. The father who tries to teach his children about God, but doesn't show them with his own life how to love and trust in God. That green light coming out of Rick's eyes has caused him to see the whole world wrong and how deep his darkness has become. Life is not about transformer action figures or large popcorn at the movies. Life is certainly not about crazy straws. Life is about relationships. That's what kids want. That's what God wants. Rick says yes to one last job. It's a boring old restaurant manager position, day shift. It doesn't make a lot, but it doesn't ask a lot either. And now he's home. He reads the scriptures with his children. Instead of gearing up for Disney World every three years, they do something they've never done before. They go to their own city park almost every Saturday morning. Instead of the next big thing, they learn to love what they have right now. And in a bizarre twist Rick never could have expected, his children are more grateful and they love him more. His wife is proud of him. And even though he's not wowing anybody with a great big charitable donation, what he has he gives faithfully and regularly from a heart that loves and trusts God. And they've even started uh, sharing in a program that's feeding, housing, and educating an orphan in Central America. Don't miss it. Rick, the father who wanted to give his children everything, is now giving the few things that really matter to a child who has no father at all. Rick has said no to the green light of envy in order to say yes to God. And I wonder if there are any Ricks in church this morning. Or maybe you're more like Steve. Steve is a Sunday school teacher. It'd be more accurate to say Steve used to be a Sunday school teacher. Steve volunteered to teach the ninth and 10th grade boys Sunday school class. Rough job. Steve's good at it. And every year at baptism... At their church, there'd be a long line of men and women in white robes who would head up to the baptistry that was at the front of the church. And every year, two or three in that line would be a ninth or 10th grade boy. And if you read the baptismal service program where those being baptized could print a message, every year there'd be two or three of them saying, I'd like to thank my Sunday school teacher, Steve, who led me to the Lord. God called on Steve to serve the youth. And Steve said, Yes. Now, a few years ago, Steve had a unique opportunity to purchase a duplex one town over for a song. He had a hard time scraping together that down payment, but here's how it works. If he could rent both sides of that unit, it would pay its own payment plus a quarter of his home house payment. So he scraped the money together and he got it. Now, the last renters who had it tore the place up pretty good. So Steve spent his whole first summer putting it back together and much more money than he expected to get into shape. But he'd still be back in the black in one year if he could get both sides rented. 
And so began Steve's new adventure as a landlord. Ads in the paper, signs on the street, rental applications, upkeep, 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 and finally there comes a single mom with a cute little eight-year-old girl with no pets and a middle-aged computer programmer from India and his wife. Both halves are rented. Steve learns a lot that first year. That single mom turned out to be much more excitement than anyone could have imagined. She may not have had any pets, but her string of boyfriends were nothing but trouble. Noise, vandalism, domestic disturbance calls. And the Indian computer programmer next door, they called faithfully every Friday night to complain about the noise from the single mom's side. Not that they had any reason to, because evidently they're turning their two-bedroom duplex into Ellis Island for immigrant families trying to assimilate to the United States. At one point, they had seven people living on that side. They had showed him this cute little parrot, so he waved the no pet rule, never dreaming that at their house they would just open the cage door and let the parrot roam around the house during the day. This became Steve's life every two to three years. New renters, clean up repairs. New renters, clean up repairs. New renters, clean up repairs. He started making his habit to drive past the property every Sunday afternoon just to see if it had survived the weekend. Every time it snowed or there was an ice storm or a heavy rain, Steve just stayed home and sat by the phone and waited for the call that would come. Flooded basement, iced in gutters, fallen tree branches. And then the news came. Walmart. Walmart wanted to build a super center right behind his rental property. If he ever did want to sell it, it would be nearly worthless. So Steve joined with three other property owners on that street, and they began an 18-month-long battle with Bentonville, Arkansas, and the city council. Night meetings and letter-writing campaigns and newspaper ads, and it was a fight they did not win. All this time, don't forget, Steve has his own home to keep up and care for. It finally became too much, and Steve had to say no to his position as a ninth and 10th grade boys' Sunday school teacher. In fact, he moved over to the next town where that property was. He was wasting so much gas driving back and forth, back and forth. Now he only has to return to his former hometown one day a week, Sunday morning for church. This last Easter, there were no boys from the high school Sunday school class in the baptism service. No thank you message to Steve and the program for leading anyone to the Lord. And for just a moment, he teared up at the thought of it. When his wife asked what was wrong and he told her, she laid a reassuring hand on his arm and said, you just couldn't say yes to both things anymore. And Steve wondered how God felt, having lost to a duplex. And the word of God comes to Steve. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In a move that shocks everyone, Steve sells the duplex. And he sells it at a loss, since now there's a back end of a big box mart in the backyard. And Steve takes on Sunday school again, and for the first time in years, Steve feels free. 
He never again runs an ad in the newspaper, never puts up a yard sign, never interviews another renter, never speaks to the sheriff, never cleans up grease over a range, never unclogs a sewer line unless he's the one who clogged it. He never has to make a phone call again asking for rent or open another letter announcing an increase in property tax or renter's insurance. And for all this, he's out about $15,000 a year, and he laughs and says, is that all my life was worth? No, it's not. Because this year, three freshman boys gave their life to Christ. And they each brought about two other boys from school to church with them. And by Easter, half the high school football team is being baptized. And there's eight or nine repetitions of a familiar message printed in the Easter program. I'd like to thank Steve, my Sunday school teacher, who led me to the Lord. Once again, Steve tears up on Easter Sunday. Once again, his wife notices and asks what's wrong. And he says, you were right. I couldn't say yes to both things anymore. And I wonder if there are any Steves in the congregation this morning. Or maybe you're more like Amy. Amy was the wife of a professional student. Although Amy's husband was good at collecting college degrees, he wasn't very good at actually making any money with them. They did all right. He did work. They did own a house, they did have two cars, but it was not their dream home. And both cars were sporting more than 130,000 miles apiece. Thank God for grandparents or the kids never would have had any fun at all. Amy had gotten used to living simply and trusting in God back in their newlywed days. Frankly, she was surprised by how long this had gone on. She still had to shop on a strict budget. She still had to be very creative when putting together a family vacation. She still did a lot of shopping at thrift stores. And let's not talk about Christmas. A second thought, let's talk about Christmas because it's actually a very interesting story. It was just before Christmas and Amy and her future doctor of this or that were sitting in church and the pastor is telling a story about children who live in a far off village who have no school to go to in their own village. So they have to walk through the mountains an hour each day to a one-room school building where a drunk teacher smokes cigarettes all day and swears at them and collects a government salary. The church has an opportunity to build a school for these children. And then comes the pictures. The kids' faces are sweet, and their stories are sad, and the solution is simple. But Amy's Mr. Genius is only working part-time this semester, and the cars needed a lot of repairs this year and drained their excuse for a savings account, and Christmas is only five weeks away. There's nothing she can do. Or is there? She's haunted by the story of these kids all week. It's not bringing her guilt or shame. She would see that coming, but it does compel her to do something. She starts asking herself if she can really pit her children's Christmas against children who don't have a school at all. So next Sunday, Amy writes a check, $350. It's less than 1% of what the church is eventually going to raise for this, but for Amy, $350 is her entire Christmas budget for the immediate family. $350 is a month worth of health insurance for the kids, and that's with a government subsidy. $350 is tires for the car, and they're not looking good. For Amy, $350 is sacrifice. 
And after all the gifts are given at the church and all the money for the school is raised and then some, the pastor reads to the congregation from Matthew chapter 6. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And as the weeks roll on, this unusual verse comes true. Every time they give an update at the church about the progress of the school, now Amy perks up in her seat. She's got $350 in that school. She's curious how it's going. When the villagers sell their cattle and their goats and contribute their own money to the school, she's touched. She begins to feel something more than compassion for these people on the other side of the world. When the villagers send a recorded cell phone message thanking the congregation for caring for their children, she's moved to tears. Christmas comes and goes. The grandparents come through like they always do. The kids play with the boxes instead of the toys like they always do. And the $350 is not really missed. By summer, it's forgotten completely. Except when news arrives that the school is finished and the children are now being educated in their own town by their own people who care for them. A year and a half later, an opportunity comes for Amy herself to get on a plane and fly to the other side of the world and meet those people. Now the price tag is $3,000. But lo and behold, the good doctor has actually found a job that can pay for it. So she gets her plane ticket and she goes. Somehow some part of her heart is already there. It was sent ahead with $350 a couple of years ago. She hugs the people, and they hug her. And she goes to church with them in their own village, and she realizes the same God who has loved and take care, who has been loving and taking care of her here, is loving these people and taking care of them there. They are her brothers and sisters, and she doesn't have to wait until heaven to meet them. She's meeting them right here and now. That was 10 years ago. Since that time, Amy has bought cars, that have already died and been replaced. She's bought dishwashers that were great and stopped working and have gone to the dump. She bought lots of things in the last 10 years that fell apart, got used up, wore out, got lost, or just got replaced with something newer and better. But she'll tell you that the best money she ever spent was $350 that at the time she didn't have for people whom at the time she didn't know. That's the only purchase that ever really changed her life. It bought something that matters even in heaven. And it bought something that matters forever. I wonder if there are any Amy's in the soul sanctuary this morning. In our last story, Jesus is on a mountainside. He's teaching to a large crowd that's gathered there, and Rick is there, and Steve is there, and Amy is there. And you and I are there on the mountainside with him as he says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. 
When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. When your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you'll love one and hate the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The people of the world say yes to the world. The people of God say yes to God. And whatever we are, that's what we are. Today is February the 23rd, 2014. Three years ago, next week, we began a journey called As One. We made pledges to raise money above and beyond our normal giving, trying to raise over a million dollars, which happened. For ministry here in the church and in the community and around the world, you said no to a lot of things in order to say yes to all sorts of other things. And today is a day that we want to celebrate those no's and the yeses they made possible. Today's a day we want to hear stories from other brothers and sisters who took that journey and reflect on our own journey. What we learned about ourselves, what we learned about God, and what he did through the no's and yeses that you said. So today we want to celebrate the end of our As One journey together, and we'll start with this video. Thank you. Thank you. As we... Uh, kind of sign the final notes here on the as one journey. I want to say a few words about ending the journey well. For some of you, the as one whole journey went better than you expected. I know some of you even went above your pledge. I, I wish I was on that journey. That looked like it was a lot of fun for those people. God bless you, and clearly he has. So give praise to him and tell your story as often as you like. Um, for uh, most of us, the journey went just about as we expected. Um, there certainly were some Scary moments along the way, I'm sure, as you try to make a pledge like that and keep it, and some nail-biting moments, but God came through. And we saw his miracles, and we learned once again that he provides. So we all, well done, you have been faithful servants. Uh, and for some of us, it is true, that the As One journey didn't go at all how we expected. And we're coming to the end of it, and we're not, uh, it's, you know, clear, we're not going to be able to make that pledge that we made. So what, what do we say to that? I say... Be free. Be free. You stepped out in faith. You did something that most of the world considers crazy, and they may be right. You tried to guess for, with, with some input from prayer for three years, what we, could we do? And you took a step in faith, and it, it didn't turn out the way you thought. And that's all there is to say about it. It didn't turn out the way you thought. It's not a cause for guilt, and it's not a cause for shame. Sometimes you step out in faith, and you didn't turn out the way you thought. I think you took a more courageous journey than the people who didn't step out in faith. Anybody could say, well, I won't disappoint myself or anybody if I don't do anything. That, what's that get done? So you did the right thing. The whole journey was about uh, taking a step, taking a journey, learning something about God, learning something about ourselves. And however it turned out, good, average, or bad, if you learn something about yourself and you learn something about God, then you got out of it what you were supposed to. And the whole thing was worth it. Now, I mean it. This church is not so large that if we had a problem with someone and how your pledge was going, I couldn't have tracked you down by now and had a talk. We haven't tracked anybody down because your pledge is between you and God. 
And your journey is between you and God. And he knows everything that has happened since that March in 2011 and now. And you and he are together, always together. So if you learn something, take it with you into the future. What does the song say? This is the first day of the rest of your life. I promise you, if you stay in the church, there'll be another opportunity to go on a journey of generosity. <laughs> in roughly seven days, but I'll leave you alone in case the sting is too quick. Uh, you know, the, every three years at least. Okay, we'll say that. Every three years at least, there'll be another opportunity to take what you have learned and go forward. So do, no guilt, no shame. That's not what we're about, okay? As I said in first service, if the Apostle Peter can deny Jesus three times on the way to the cross and be restored and be made head of the church, then whatever happens to you and I is going to be all right. We're going to be all right. He is with us and he is for us and we are with and for each other. So we're all going to celebrate today and everyone is invited to celebrate. So on the borders here, please be very good to them. Uh, they are come with such a servant's heart. For what we pay for catering, um, they give us so much more in the amount of service and great food they give us. So, so do that. We have a professional musician who's coming to uh, play. And I hear that they, she even takes requests, so that'll be fun. I've got some. And so if you want to eat and have um, live music and stuff, then get your food and come back to the, the tables in here. If you'd rather chat it up and have a good time and that sort of thing, uh, get your food and have a seat out there. Oh, yeah, I'm getting to that. And uh, have a seat out there. And if you want to bounce back and forth, do that too. Be free, is what we have said. Be free. So we have all these opportunities. Now, um, Dan is on retreat leading some in prayer. And so uh, he bought a bunch of As One posters, and we felt like he bought a few too many. Uh, he assured us we would have need of them, and it turns out we did. We decorated his office. <laughs> he will not see this till Monday morning, but we've got it open like a zoo exhibit and you can stroll by over there in the west lobby and take a peek at what he won't see until tomorrow morning so we had a lot of fun doing that doesn't that look great hundreds of repetitions of andy and kylie's face <laughs> so, especially check out the wall clock okay so let us uh, stand and we will pray together and give thanks to god for all he has done please everyone stay free lunch live music good friends good stories let us pray together. Father, we thank you for this journey you have taken us on, the things you have taught us about you and the things you have taught us about ourselves. Lord, thank you for guiding us in our yeses and our noes. Continue to guide us all through life that we may choose the best things. Thank you, God, for giving us a front row seat to miracles that you did in our midst and in some way letting us be a part of it. And now we celebrate, not ourselves, not good luck or bad luck, we celebrate you, Father, and your power and your might and your love. With joy and music, we celebrate in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace.